Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello and welcome to the 31st episode of Just Riding Along in the year 2019. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Dog's Eyes. Dickie will appreciate this. <laughs> dog's Eyes. Yeah. Um, and Dog's Eyes again. Let's just jump right in and... We'll cover that first. Right before we started recording, my dog started acting kind of funny, and his eyes are really red. And uh, maybe he got into your weed. I don't believe that to be true. Yeah, I don't think so either. But because you know, he is a terrier, there's no like his breath isn't minty fresh. <laughs> Matt so, has some mint weed. It's really good. Uh, hard candy. I will neither... It's like an Altoid with THC in it. I will neither confirm nor to deny that I have two milligram mints. <laughs> um, so we're going to jump into donations first. And a couple of them have questions. So Ross, and I'm going to assume that his real last name is a real last name, and I'm just going to leave it off the air, but it also, depending on how you pronounce it... That's like Emeril, you know, the chef. Okay. Um, he had a show on Food Network. But he sent over 50 bucks. Nice. And then he has a question. We'll come back to that. Oh, God. Uh, Is it a long question? No, then David from um, Boulder sent over a hundred bucks and he says, David A in Boulder County here. I just finished and cleaning oil in one of my AR fifteens is spotless. Always want to have it ready. Congress is about to start a civil war. Uh <laughs> along with fellow members of my cycling club. Wanted to show some end of the year love by supporting one of our favorite podcasts. Here's to all your hard work, great advice and savory language. Cycling club or militia. May we join you for a twenty twenty spring or summer trail ride. David, of course, but maybe but maybe more not. on that later. More on that later. So thanks, David and gang. And this is going to take a minute because people made it rain. Um, wow, that's awesome. Kyle from Flagstaff says, "Hey, Jerry, Ray, really enjoying the podcast." Uh, okay. Um, this is a question. Um, he says, "I'm a former triathlete and finally got on the back." After a few years away and way too many cold snacks in a can, picked up an e-mountain bike and started riding and racing. I did so well that I actually got a qualifying spot for Leadville. Looking for a way to extend the battery life or add and swap batteries easier. I'm okay with voiding the warranty. I figured I need about eight hours and 50 minutes of battery total. Thanks, Kyle in Flagstaff, Arizona. So, Kyle... If nothing else, I... You're going to have to carry a bunch of spare batteries. I would recommend getting a, um, like a Burley trailer. I would recommend you get a bunch of thin, very, very thin, like, what would that be, Kenny? Probably like 18-gauge wire. Oh, and like wire them together? And I think he needs to try to pump like a ton of amperage and voltage through 18-gauge wire. And... Instead of trying to like wire batteries together, he should just wire batteries to the bike and then wire the bike to the battery and hopefully his dick will catch on fire. <laughs> um so He gave us money. We probably shouldn't wish dick catching on fire to him. He's definitely joking because you can't race an e bike in Leadville. I mean you could if you had eight batteries. You know Leadville's gonna have an e bike category at some point. 
So that will be a fun, what race, so everyone in listener land, what race that is already a race that's not going to be a bespoke e-bike race, like not a new race, what existing race do you think is going to be the first to add an e-bike class? I think it's going to be Leadville for sure. Man, I don't know. That's a good question. Leadville's up there. I think that's a good candidate. What do you think? I don't know. (laughs) I'd say, I'd say Leadville for sure. Um, so then Matt, I don't know. I don't even want to get into it. Okay. Let's go to the next one then. So Matt from the upper Midwest somewhere, uh, Minnesota, ham lake even. God damn. Ham? There's a whole lake full of hams. Wow. Uh, I listened to the Ty Balfstem episode, the conversation regarding Kenny potentially getting envies for his big stump. It motivated me to reach out. I'm the owner of a set of M635s, and I have them on my Rocky Mountain Altitude C50. Most of the riding I do is in Minnesota, but I make frequent trips to Duluth, Marquette, and on the occasion I head to Utah, Windrock, or Pisgah. Anyways, as you guys stated on the show, they're really light with two six tires, DHF, and a Reckon. They are certainly not too harsh. I'm not a heavy guy at 5'7 and 150, naked. Naked. But I do ride aggressively. Put up with a lot of hard rock strikes and made it through a couple of Enduro races without issues. I broke a spoke while making a pass off trail during the Bora Epic race in Hayward. But other than that, they've been flawless while riding. For what it's worth, they were true even while missing a spoke, so who cares if the nipples are internal? You rarely need to touch them. I am happy to be that guy with envy wheels. I care less if people think I'm a douchebag. The wheels are the cat's ass, and I love riding them. Don't be afraid, Kenny. Get you some. With warm wishes, Matt Himes. P.S. I listened to a six-pack or so of Mount Mike podcast, and JRA is my favorite. Thanks for the hours of banter and insight. And just because Kenny and I were a little uncertain, Matt emailed back with a Urban Dictionary, Urban link. Dictionary link that says the cat's ass is a niftier way of saying cool, that is a shit, or this is wonderful. It is also used to say that someone or something is really clever or intelligent. All right. But yeah, thanks for the email. I did get that one. And yeah, envies are not off the table. They're never off the table. There's a lot of, I'll go over all of, from my viewpoint and where I live, all the positives of the envies. They have quite possibly the best warranty and best customer service on the planet, like for real. And that's a big deal. Um, even though they are expensive. Won't they, don't they have like crash, like their warranty covers like you doing stupid shit? Pretty much. Yeah. For the most part. And if there's anything weird, um, like if you start popping spokes, like multiple spokes on a wheel, they'll just, no questions asked, take that thing back and at their cost, rebuild it, new nips, all new spokes, and possibly new hoop, just depending on how they're feeling. But I know they will at a minimum do spokes and nips. Um, That's a pretty big deal. And it's not really their part. You know, I mean, they're putting in DTs or SAPEMs, and it's not really, it's not really their fault. So anyway... I had nothing but respect for their um, warranty department and all that kind of stuff. The other huge positive is kind of rolled into a negative. They're very expensive. Even for industry people, they're not cheap. They are pretty much the most expensive wheel you can buy. However, you're going to recoup that because one or two or three years later when you get rid of them, an Envy wheel is going to be worth way more than anything else on the planet because they're expensive. So, Really, at the end of the day, 
doesn't really cost a whole lot more to get envies because you're going to get your money back out of them. So, I mean, it's all positive stuff. I really like the envy stuff. Um, I'm just being nitpicky. You know, I, I just wish that you had all those positives we just talked about, but they had an offset bead um, and they had regular nips. But obviously, not having regular nips is part of why their wheels are, are good in a way and all that. I get it. So, no, I, I like envies. Only get good stuff to stay about them. And they're local here in town. So nothing nothing wrong with Envies whatsoever. Cool. All right. So last, last uh, donation is $5. All right. It's from Shay Vinnerbush <laughs> down in Texas. Hey, Jerry, quick question. I don't have a local shop anywhere near me, so I do a lot of my own work. I was having some issues with my SRAM X7 brakes leaking a little. X7 brakes? By the way, SRAM never made an X7 brake. Avid would have made a probably DB5. but They made an XO trail. SRAM didn't. They Avid made did. a Juicy 7. But they were leaking a little, so I picked up some bars leak stop. It seems to work, but now the levers are very hard to pull. How can I fix them? Thanks for the advice. Here's a couple of Lone Star dollars for some cold natter days. Shave Venerbush from Loco, Texas. Uh, I think that you should go to the local um, automotive supplier or tractor supply or whatever and just get dot five fluid. Make sure it's the purple stuff. Not that clear stuff that looks like you peed in a jug. Like, make sure you get the purple stuff that only has a five on it. And just mix that together with the leak stop and then just squirt some of that in there and see what happens. Going to be good to go. Yeah, totally good to go. So is uh, um, is Shaven or Bush the last question? Or is that, that just donation? Last, uh, donation stuff, so... If you wanted to go into what's been going on, let's do it. Can I talk about being a werewolf? Maybe. Go for it. Um, I was, so I finished up a, like my harder training block last week, and this has been a recovery week. And pretty uneventful until yesterday. I went out for a ride. The weather was real nice. Rode a couple of hours, and I was riding back to my house. And someone along the road to my house um he was he has a dog well he has two dogs he has this dog that's a german shepherd that is literally i i don't want to exaggerate and like make up a huge number but this dog is all of 100 pounds at least he's the one of the biggest german shepherds i've ever seen and i've seen a lot of them um he was unloading his truck with the dog going into the house and the dog saw me and came after me and I knew as soon as this so this dog like even before I purchased my house like when I would just ride through the neighborhood because I was like you know like under contract with the house like just checking everything out this dog had my fucking number like he runs the fence by the house he's always up always contained like the guy's not one of those jerks that just like lets his dog run out in the yard and in the road and everything, um, you know, because that's not safe and he's not he's not a bad dog owner. It was just kind of bad timing. Um, this dog has wanted to kick my ass since like 
April of this year, pretty much. I'd say like March or April of this year, this dog has like had my number. Every time I ride my bike by, he runs up and down the fence and barks. And he's like, he's the size of like a wolf. He's huge. And uh, he bolted out after me. I knew as soon as I saw the dog not in the fence, I was like, I am about to get bitten. If I try to ride, because I was climbing, um, if I try to sprint, I'm going too slow, the dog's going too fast, I'm going to get bitten and knocked down and probably hurt worse. Or I can get off my bike and try to like get the bike between me and the dog, but he was just going way too fast. I basically got off my bike, and before I could even start to get it between us, he just like chomped into my left leg, like up on the thigh, and... uh the owner was just screaming and running after him. And of course, like the dog ran off because the owner was coming after him. And, uh, he luckily, and so I, I used to like a long time ago, I worked with the dog trainer. Some as like an assistant and like did some, did bite work and did like some police dog training, some personal protection dog training. Luckily this dog was not trained in any of that. I mean, kind of unluckily because if you're going to train your dog in that the first thing you learn is obedience and this dog was obviously not being obedient because the guy was yelling at it to not bite me and it definitely bit me um but it was kind of like a front of the mouth bite which is about the least serious bite that you can get from a dog uh if you ever watch um like dogs doing a schutzend or french ring or any of the like protection sports um, like obedience and protection sports, like those dogs are trained. You'll see they bite like all the way to like the back of their mouth. And if that had happened, I'd probably still be in the hospital right now. Like it would have been real bad. So even though this is a humongous dog, um, it just kind of got me with like the front teeth and the canines didn't puncture um, or didn't puncture very much. And, you know, the owner immediately got the dog off, helped me, you know, into the house and was like, Oh God, you know, helped, you know, wanted to, we rinsed it out with hydrogen peroxide. He offered to take me to the ER. Um, the ER in Salida is kind of a shit show. And I just didn't really want to go there. And also, um, the bleeding stopped. It was, I, I mean, it's, it definitely has the potential to have an infection, but we cleaned it out so quickly and I'm good at taking care of wounds. I told him, I was like, look, let's just, I'm going to, you know, clean it up more at home. I'm going to keep it bandaged, keep it really clean. If I see any signs of infection, I'm going to go to an urgent care. He's like, yeah, just let me know. I'll pay for whatever you need. He like gave me some cash to get some new tights because it ripped my tights. Like, you know, he's, he's handling it how you would want someone, you know, other than always keeping your dog leashed and like not letting it run out in the road and bite someone. This is like the next best thing that could happen is like, you know, having an owner that's willing to, you know, do whatever it is they need to do to take care of you when their dog bites you. So um, I've also, I've had my tetanus shot, had a few people ask me that. So, uh, yeah, it's hopefully I'm going to get a workout in tomorrow and see how it feels. It's just bruised right now and just kind of bloody looking. I don't know. 
It's on Instagram. You can see it. So what day did you get bit? Yesterday. Okay. Yeah. And it's just, it's like purplish bruised. It's, it's not like, there's no heat. There's no, I mean, the bruised part is swollen because it's just bruised. I mean, bruises are going to swell, but it's not like nasty. There's no pus. There's no, it doesn't look infected. It doesn't feel infected. Um, so I think, you know, it's been more than 24 hours now and it doesn't look worse than when it first happened. So other than like the purplish part of the bruise coming in, like I, I think it's going to be okay, but you know, I'm still like a little nervous. And I did search the internet, like the verdict's kind of like, you know, like a lot of people are prescribed um, antibiotics. So some doctors just won't even give you an antibiotic until it looks like it's getting infected. Um, and then other doctors would just, you know, like give you an antibiotic shot and then a big prescription. So I'm of usually of the thought of fewer antibiotics are better. So I, I'm not going to go to the doctor just so that they can like clean stuff and not give me medicine unless I need it. Yeah. It sounds like you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, that sucks, but you know, like you said, it's good that semi-responsible owner who is concerned about you and not just like, Oh crap. Well, I got to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and he lives like a mile from my house yeah. and I pass by his yard every day. So, you know, it would be it would be a shitty way to treat your neighbor. But that's that's pretty much all. That's the only big event that I've had happen. What about you guys? Um for me, I don't think there's anything exciting bike-wise. Have I ridden at all? I don't think I've ridden outside. It's been so just crappy, just cold and wet. Um Yeah, same here. Yeah, I've ridden the trainer a bunch. That's about it. Oh, a little trainer tidbit. So Wahoo Trainers, I have a one by ten old school rock hopper hardtail mountain bike on my trainer. <laughs> yeah. And I always had issues with gearing. Like it just wasn't quite enough in some places. And you can play with the trainer difficulty to scale it back where you don't have to shift as much, but still like imagine your your gear for going twenty to twenty five miles an hour on the flat. That doesn't change with trainer difficulty. It just changes the gradients positive and negative and how they're perceived by your trainer. Essentially that's what is done in Zwift anyway. So my flat speed was like, you pretty much had to click it into the 11. <clears throat> so 32, 11, cause it assumes you're on a 700 C bicycle. So 32, 11 oh, yeah. is, you know, adequate for pedaling at 90 RPMs and doing maybe 25 miles an hour. But not great. So if you want to stand up and sprint and do all that kind of stuff, well, you kind of can't. So I've been messing with stuff. Um, and What trainer are you using? I have the Gen 4 Wahoo. Okay. So you can, like, open up and, like, I know I have the, the app on my phone. Like, you can control the resistance on there. You can, but that's just if you want to do static resistance. So if you just want to like ride yeah. your trainer and just control it with your phone and not like, you know, look at the wall. Yeah, you can do that. That's yeah. fine. Like you can just click okay. in 500 watts and it'll erg mode you to 500 watts or whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, but in the, for those with Wahoos who have a similar problem or maybe just want to change your gearing on your road bike or maybe you have a one by cross bike on there. There's a lot of reasons to do this. 
And surprisingly enough, the Wahoo staff and the Zwift staff are both very ignorant of this fact, which is really bizarre to me. But anyway, hidden in the uh, Wahoo app. So it's not the Wahoo settings app. There's like a separate app for, I don't know what it's called, Wahoo Connection or Wahoo something. Anyway, it's the regular old one. It's got a black logo uh, and it's just, it's the Wahoo app. And you go in there and you go into your sensors. Of course, you pair your trainer to it. Anyway, down in there, there is a, a rollout measurement in meters of all things, which is really goofy. Why they do it in meters, I have no idea. But regardless, a regular rollout for a a 23 millimeter, 700 seed road bike tire is like 20, what, 20, 96, 2050, 2096. Yeah. Anyway, we'll call it 2100. So that's the standard measurement and that's what it's set to from the factory. So what you have to do is then you change that, but it's in meters, remember, which is really goofy. So I changed it to four, which is like an insano number, like a 36 or something. But regardless, put four in there. And then the trick is it will not take it from what I could tell unless you do. So you got to make sure you're out of Zwift, out of all the other applications. You don't have any other Bluetooth connections to your trainer, nothing else talking to it and set it to a higher number, like a three and a half or four or something like that. And then go do a spin down, but do the spin down in the Wahoo app from the same place you're at. And then once you do that, you can close your Wahoo app, then you can open Zwift. And now what it does is it sends the correct final drive ratio to Zwift (laughs) and then it works. So now I can have like as hard of resistance as I want, which is pretty cool. So now my one by 10 bike with the trainer difficulty turned down a tiny bit just to scale the gradients, both positive and negative. Uh, So uphills and downhills, I just don't have to shift quite as much, but the nice middle of the road I'm like almost in the middle of the cassette now doing 20 to 25 miles an hour on the flat. So there you go. It works great. Nerd shit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I haven't used, I, so I used trainer road for a while, but I've never used Zwift before. So I, I know a lot of people do though. Yep. And you know, it's not, it's not inconceivable that somebody has a, like a one by cross bike or something on their trainer. So it's not just weirdos like me with a 10 speed mountain bike, but even people, uh, the other problem comes in. It doesn't matter. Even if you have a a great Eagle range bike, it's the hard side of the gear. That's the problem, right? So me being in my 3211 is the exact same because again, wheel size doesn't come into account on a trainer. It's just what your front ring is, what your rear uh, cog is, and that's it. So I have a 3211. So most everyone out on the planet with a one by 12 mountain bike is going to have a very, very similar ratio to that. So if you want to actually make your one by 12, nice S works, epic mountain bike work good on the trainer, you got to do what I did. Cool. I did figure out with my Wahoo, I was doing intervals. Um, and I was having a really hard time in erg mode doing intervals, Mm -hmm. which I have never had before. Like I, I normally, like, all of my cycling life, I have been able to get on a trainer and do the exactly the same wattage I can do on the road. But then I got the Wahoo, and, like, suddenly I try to do intervals, and, you know, like, I can't get close to the power I'm supposed to do with it in erg mode or in any mode, really. Like, even, you know, when I'm controlling, 
you know, I just like have it set up like a regular trainer and I'm trying to control it and I'm looking at the wattage that the trainer is giving me. And it's not, you know, it's saying like I'm supposed to do, let's just, for example, like for a one minute interval, I'm trying to do 280 watts or something and I, I can't even do 250, like I do 250 and I, I just, I'm just not getting to it. So I figured out that the Wahoo, even with the spin down done on it, like a proper spin down to calibrate power, um, the Wahoo is reading a much lower wattage than what my power meter reads. My power meter, so I have two power meters and they seem, you know, I'd say like if I ride the two bikes that have power meters, like they, I've been training with power for a long time. Like I know what, certain wattages feel like and I wasn't able to do that on the Wahoo and I figured out by disconnecting the Wahoo from my computer like from the head unit of you know like my bike computer um, I connected the Wahoo trainer to my phone and then connected my head unit only to my power meter and I was looking at the power readout on my phone. So like what the trainer said I was doing for watts mm-hmm. and what my power meter said I was doing for watts. Yep. It was so far off, <laughs> like way far off. Like for my one minute intervals, I was just supposed to do a workout where I was doing 316. And when, you know, on my power meter on my bike is saying that I'm doing, you know, 320, 330, 340. On my phone, it's showing that the Wahoo says I'm doing like, 290, 295, 296. So beware of that if you sudden if you get a Wahoo and you suddenly feel like your wattage has died. Yeah, you know, I was kind of wondering about that. I don't ride with power, but I've definitely ridden, you know, I don't own one, but I've definitely ridden enough of them. I mean, if I had to take yeah. an educated guess, mine feels like it's maybe 20 watts low. Just a educated guess. I haven't actually done an FTP test on it. Um, I probably, I probably should, but more than likely just judging by how it feels, it's, yeah, I think it's going to be about 20 Watts off. I'll, I'll do an FTP test and I'll report back and hopefully I can pick up a power meter eventually. It it seems like it's not linear. Like if I'm just doing a recovery ride or something and kind of low wattage, the numbers seem pretty close within like, you know, five Watts or so. But man, when I'm doing like the high power stuff, it is way off it's interesting when I do like big, when I do, um, real short intervals, it, to me, it almost seems like it's more accurate. I don't know. Maybe I just make ridiculous power for five seconds. I have no idea, but (laughs) some people are really good at that. Um, surprisingly enough, I've always been decent at like just the, the five second to one minute interval stuff. I've always been decent at, which is very bizarre. Um, anyway, who knows? We'll see. But yeah, good good uh, input for sure. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what have you been up to? Uh, Matt's he was just checking on his dog. Oh, okay. Kenny just asked what you were up to. Mm, checking on the dog. How's the dog? Sleepy? Yeah, still squinting his little eyes. All right. Um. Well, what's new with me? Um. Not much. I've been riding the trainer and I've been building bikes. I, yeah, nothing else going on with me. Are you sure about that? No, but 
Uh, here it goes. So for 2020, that's probably the easiest way to describe it. I am starting a new position. So if you live in the continental U.S. and you go to those places where a lot of people get together and ride demo bikes, there's a very good chance that you're going to be able to see me and ride demo bikes. Because for 2020, I'm going to work for Revel, based out of Carbondale, and, well, Revel and Y-Cycles, and I'm going to be the U.S. demo driver. So U.S. worldwide. No, not worldwide. U.S. wide. U.S. wide. Are you going to go to Canada at all, eh? Continental U.S. only. The greater 48. That's it. So you're not allowed to go to Alaska or Hawaii or Mexico or Canada? That's a huge bummer. Canada seems like a... Um, I mean, I guess technically I probably could, but I don't think that I'm going to. I don't think. I don't know. I think you should take a trip to Banff in June. But I'm going to do that, and it's going to be real cool. So... I'm excited about that. You should do a demo um, at the start of the Can tour. Can you divide. just not right now? <laughs> <laughs> so, any listeners, any listeners out there, Matt is 100 percent obligated to do this. If you uh, send him an email, he will come to your house and give you a personal demo <laughs> for a single Smirnoff. For a single Smirnoff. Remember, Smirnoff is the new maple syrup. No, it is not. Oh <laughs> my god! Is. Look, seriously, or Mike's hard margaritas. If we could, if I could ask one thing, <laughs> it's that taco would be quiet. It's that I don't need a lot of shitty malt beverages presented to me. So let's not do that. Um, but if if we do have any listeners who want to give me a ride to Banff in in June, that'd be cool. That's a. That's off topic, but I was just bringing yeah. it up. Yeah. Uh, so Matt is also obligated under contract uh, that if you present to him a Smirnoff, he must drink it immediately. No questions asked, and he will make eye contact the entire time, I and then lick the bottle <laughs> once he's. Finished. Yeah. So, yeah. Two two <laughs> things. Two things Matt will do. He will he will come to your house at your request. Uh, within 24 hours, and he will uh, he will drink <laughs> he will drink Smirnoff. I don't think I. That's look, what demo drivers do, right? I had a really nice like job contract, and I signed it, and that that wasn't that wasn't in there. Well, you didn't read the fine. Did you flip it over to the back? It's a PDF. It doesn't flip. Well, it it does. You gotta figure out it how does. to. It does. Yeah, there's does. the there's That's... the Smirnoff clause. <laughs> and the 24 hour personal demo clause too you missed that part I didn't miss it I'm ignoring it completely <laughs> okay so, so anything else new going on no I'm we're just... gonna find out on Wednesday if I'm a werewolf or not yeah do we have any listener questions we do, so we'll get to Ross's donation question real quick. Uh, enjoy the show, guys. Your banter is great. Looking into getting a full-on XC race bike. Want full suspension, leaning towards a Santa Cruz blur. All right. 
Dude wants a Santa Cruz blur because he rides 3,000-ish miles a year. Races range from 25 to 100 miles on fairly difficult terrain. Not technical, but up, down, short, punchy climbs. Most are no more than one mile long, but can get around 12% grade. The blur is on the top of my list right now, but here, but is there any other XC bikes you'd recommend that could be had in the three to four thousand dollar range? Currently on a 2015 Specialized Camber Comp Evo, it's a nice bike, but a little heavy. The other option is upgraded carbon wheels on the current bike. Have already done a lot of upgrades, including GX Eagle. Carbon is the way to carbon wheels is the way to go. Which ones would you recommend for a budget of around a grand? Thanks for the great work. And I'm going to throw my two cents in and then be done, which is depending on your size, Rocky Mountain might have 2019 element available and 2019 bikes are discounted pretty well. So that would help that nicer bike get down into your price range. And I don't dislike the way that you type. It's just in general, people type things. And Matt's cadence. just got dog stress tonight. I'm very stressed. I have all kinds of stress. So I I have a lot of stuff personally going on. So you guys take it away. I mean, I was going to say the element. Um I mean, it's a that's a slightly low-ish budget, but um yeah, you know, I think you could probably find a bike that fits that especially if he looks around for like maybe someone selling a demo bike. I wouldn't go for a used bike just because used bikes usually have problems. I know a demo bike is a used bike, but there is some, um, a lot of times like the manufacturer warranties will still be, depending on the company, will still be applicable um, to a demo bike, unlike just a regular used bike from like Craigslist. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the blur looks good. Also, you're you're looking in the right direction. So I'm sure the element's great. I don't have personal experience with it. There's a lot of, just like every bike these days, there's a lot of really good bikes to choose from. So just think about the one that's going to get you the best support, like, you know, shops around you or people around you or whatever it might be. That's the route that I would go. Um, Cause you're going to get a great bike and you're going to tweak it the way you want it anyway. Um, you know, the, the specialized epics are great bikes. They're super light. They do have some brain issues here and there, but as long as you have a dealer, it's not really going to be a problem. Um, but they are a fantastic race bike. Um, the blur is a really good bike. What else is out there? I, I don't have as much experience with all the new, 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 like top fuel stuff. So I won't comment on that just now. Um, cause I, I really don't know. I mean, I was going to say at the beginning of his question, I was going to say super caliber, but I don't think they have a three or $4,000 one of those. They might not. I'd have to do some research on that. It's so new and it's also so little travel that, you know, that might, you might be, you're probably better served getting a hundred rear, you know, 100 to 120 front bike, like a little bit more, I would say traditional cross country race bike, as opposed to a almost soft tail. Isn't that what the camber, isn't the camber like a 120, 120 or something? It's 130, the, I think. The camber is 120, 120. There are some 130 variants out there. Um, some have the brain, some don't. There's all kinds of weird and wonderful options for the camber. Now, the, of course, the camber's gone. The camber doesn't exist anymore. But anyway, yeah. what other bikes are good? Um, the, oh, what was I thinking? The Spark is a good bike. Uh, however, just know that it has an extraordinarily low bottom bracket. 
what else is out there? I'm trying to think what else we carry. <laughs> um, those are, those are really the big ones in my book, but yeah, the blur is a great bike and there's a lot of other really good ones out there as well. Um, so again, I'd lean more towards the one that gets you the best support and I would probably avoid used unless it's like your buddy's bike or something like that. Just cause you know, it's no fun when a three or four or $5,000 bike breaks or has an issue and then they don't want to take care of it. So I would, uh, I would get one new or one that you can get the proof of purchase for, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Or, you know, like I said, like demo bike, depending on man, it varies from manufacturer to manufacturer, but a lot of companies are doing some kind of warranty coverage for demo bikes from a shop. Yeah. Most demo bikes are good. I mean, we just, when we sell a demo bike, we just sell it as a new bike and it's just no questions asked. Cool. Uh, any other questions? Is that the only one we're doing? Uh, yeah, let's just call it my little homie. Doesn't look the greatest, so I'm going to go give him some pets to make sure he feels all right. All right. but well, Good uh, luck with that. Yeah. Let's call it. All right. Until next time, have fun. Be safe. Don't be a dickhead to anyone.